All right, so we are starting a new series today, um, which is entitled what our mission statement is. So if you've been here more than one time, uh, you have, or if you've been here one time, you've probably seen above the door as you leave here, it says, joining God in the renewal of all things. And so what is that about? That's what we're going to take several weeks to talk about. Uh, and it's going to run through Palm Sunday. So let me just kind of tell you our plan here, okay, um, is... So we've got a few weeks where we will be talking about our DNA and who we are as a church, uh, who is the vineyard, um, and um, sorry, I left my water down here. I'm going to go grab it. Um, so who is the vineyard? Uh, we'll be talking about um, big picture stuff of who the vineyard is. Uh, also, just kind of our structure. So you've heard the word venues. We have three venues. What does that mean? How do you operate? All those things. And... Um, don't worry, I think we'll avoid the technical jargon like, come, this is good stuff. It will, every week is application. It's not, we're not getting bogged down in numbers and all that stuff. We just want to very, be very, very intentional um, at communicating what we're about, right? Um, there's a lot of churches. There are a lot of churches and um, that we're all walking this journey together, right? We are the church, the big C we are the church collectively. We are the church. And we all are on a, the same mission, right? We're all on the same mission. The Bible talks about what that mission is. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel in all parts of the world, everywhere, everywhere where you live, in your neighborhoods, all the way to the other side of the world. That's what, if, if a church considers themselves a Christian church, that's what we are to be about. That is the mission of the big C. Okay, and so, uh, so today we're going to talk about vision. We're talking about vision and who are we? Okay? Not just vision of us, our vision, but vision of God's vision for the church and the world, and what does that mean? And so we're going to talk big picture. Um, so it's technically titled vision, and we'll, we'll end talking about who we are in Knoxville. Like, what, what is our assignment? What is God calling us to do? And what are some tangible ways that we see ourselves doing that this year and the years to come? Um, and so, uh, let's pray, and we will get started uh, this morning. So, Lord, would you just come? Come, and uh, I pray that we would experience you as we open your word today. Well, I pray that you would bring truth to our hearts. God, we would see you for who you are what you want to do in our lives, in this church, in this community, and beyond. God, we thank you that you are an ever-present help. Lord, we're all in need of something today. We all need something from you, and you are here, you are present. God, and I thank you for that. God, give me your words, your wisdom, and your ways today as we lean into you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you have not received these, um, I want to encourage you to do so. Um, we'll have someone handing them out at the back. Um, pretty much what we're doing over the next few weeks uh, comes a lot. It's, it's in here. It comes from this, a lot of it. And so when we talk about um, just our vision and uh, in a couple of weeks when we talk about our venue model, all that stuff's in here. Just want to encourage you to grab this. Also in here is Lent started this week. And um, so if you um, participate in Lent, Right? If you, if you lean into that, uh, the readings are in here, the daily readings in the back, so you can uh, read along with us. I would encourage you to put that on your nightstand or your favorite chair in the mornings or whatever you read at. 
um, just stick that there as well. So, um, so the, like I said, this morning we're going to be talking about vision, and <clears throat> we're going to start off talking about just the whole narrative of the Bible. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to preach on Genesis to Revelation. Okay, and we'll leave here in a couple weeks. Just playing. Um, <clears throat> we're going to really talk about the themes of the Bible, and there's really four themes that we're going to touch on this morning, and that is creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. Okay, again, that's creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. So it started with creation, right? Um, God made everything and he called it good when he made it. This is before in, sin entered the world. This is before uh, things were fractured. God made it and he called everything that he made beautiful. Then he told us to even go make it better. Genesis 127 says this, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life, and that is what happened. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Okay? So God created. There's creation. Right? And, and this is what um, theologians call the creation mandate. Right? So God made it, called it good, and then also gave us a responsibility in that and said, tend for it, make it better, right? Take care of those things pre-sin entering the world, right? Before sin entered the world. So be fruitful and multiply, have dominion. This is your world. I've entrusted you with it. Lead it well, take care of it. Um, tend to and cultivate the earth, like literally to culture, to work in or uh, to improve the condition of. When we talk about being created in God's image, this part is often overlooked. It's the capacity to start with what God has given to us and then use that creative force he put into us to make it better. So God said, it's good. And then he, then he said, go make it better, right? Cre uh, create, dream, imagine, work, till the ground, uh, plant, multiply, do all of these things, build on what I have given you before the fall. Is when this happened. So they weren't solving problems. They weren't working to, to see a good thing thrive. It was God handing over the reins of creativity. Right? He was entrusting it to us. I'm with you, but take it from here. I made you like me, so be like me. Create, tend, multiply. The creative energy that we all have, that itch, those things that we find ourselves loving what we do, being passionate about creating and starting and, and, and dreaming and having those, those visions and all those things, that even some of those things that we talked about last week, right? Those things that God puts deep in us is from God. Have you ever thought about your passions and your longings and this desire that you have to create, whether that's a mother uh, whether that's a wife, a husband, or a father, or a co-worker, or whatever that is, God's given us the ability and the desires to do that in our life. 
So the narrative begins with creation. And with that, our invitation from the Lord to join that creative process. So he created. Next is the fall. So fall is when sin entered the world and everything was distorted. Right? Everything was kind of just thrown off from God's intention. This idea of good and take care of it all of a sudden became difficult. Right? Because sin affected everything. And it still does to this day. It affects everything. You don't, if, unless you've lived under a rock, you've heard the news about it this week. But man, may the reality of our fallen nature never reach a place that's so callous within our hearts that it doesn't motivate us to something. To prayer, to engagement, to loving on people, to looking for that one that is the lost and the lonely. Lonely. I read a, a really, really good article this week on just um, a pastor friend of mine in Texas, and um, obviously all kinds of debates going on. Okay, and um, not here to do that. Not here to talk about my stance on things. What I am. Uh, but I am here to communicate a stance, and that's, that is this. If we were more intentional to look for people who are broken and love on them, it would impact the world. Regardless of your perception and your view on guns or politics or anything else, you can be on both sides of that and still be dedicated to love. That's what we're called to do, guys. And may we never... Reach a place where we are so callous. And there's a couple of responses, and I'm just I'm kind of getting off here, and I'll find a, a spot to come back. But we can, we can find a couple of default responses in a fallen world, in the reality of a fallen world. Number one, we can become calloused. It's just, it's another story. And yes, it might be real, but yet it, it's just... It's just one of those things that maybe you find yourself becoming callous to and numb to. And, and rather than move to prayer, you're just moved, moved to, to rights or action in some other way rather than taking it to Jesus. And that can be a response. And another response, guys, which is easy to do for Christians, is just this attitude that I'm just going to hold on. I'm just going to hang on. Man, we live in a fallen world. And Jesus come, Jesus come, Jesus come. And... We can sing songs about let your kingdom come like we did this morning, but yet we're still hunkering down and we're just, we're just kind of hanging on and white-knuckling it until Jesus comes. And let me just tell you, we're going to talk about this morning. That's not our response. That's not what our response should be. Like going back to create. Like there's, there's responsibility that we all have. There's, there's a world that we live in. There are broken people that, we, that live right next to you that uh, are you living in reality of that through the lens of the gospel, or are you uh, either getting frustrated and responding through um, opinions, or just hunkering down, or are you responding to it with going to Jesus and intentionally looking for those people who are broken? So sin entered the world, and it's all around us. Adam and Eve were tempted. They were sinned. They sinned. And now... The world that God created had handed them to develop and to tend to is now off track. 
It's now off track. There's brokenness. So uh, we can, if we're not careful, there are some parts of the scripture that we can, uh, that should be peripheral, that we make the main point. And uh, I, I just tell you, this, <laughs> um, this story I've seen debated and debated and debated and debated and debated and debated and debated. And uh, when I pastored in Galveston, um, we had a discipleship group that, um, that people could go through, and it was about nine months, and, and they met every week, and they talked about, and they read through a book and, and talked about it in, in open discussion. And there were some, some, some points in that book, big picture stuff, that this is what we believe, right? We believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he came, that he lived a sinless life, that he died, and he rose again, and he ascended. And, and now the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Like all of those things that, that are important. And then the, there were some other things that the group touched on uh, just for discussion. And I think one of them was Adam and Eve and uh, as, you know, sin entered the world and how that threw everything off. And, and um, the group um, went haywire really quick. Uh, because of the agenda of a, a particular individual to express his opinions on creation, was it literal? Is it, you know, is it just a, is it a story? Is it uh, an analogy? Whatever that is. And so the point of that was, look, um, let's not get bogged down to that. And it really got to the point where a guy threatened to take a guy out. Okay, where this is in discipleship. Okay, I'm like oxymoron. Um, Go figure that one out, right? Um, he literally threatened to take the guy out, and he was a good friend of mine. He led worship, like he, he just—he was a good, good guy. And he's like, "Dude, what do I do with this?" And so I kind of stepped in, and um, needless to say, he wasn't there anymore. And um, but it—it it, it actually turned really ugly. And my response to them was this: Have we forgotten really what we're what we're about? Like. Okay, if you want to, if you want to debate that with some good, healthy boundaries, by by all means, find a spot and, and do that. But we are going to focus on the important thing, and that is sin entered the world and fractured everything. And the only way um, to bring reconciliation to our lives is through Jesus Christ. All the other stuff, guys, listen, that's not going to get you to heaven. It's just not. It's not going to. It's believing, having a particular stance on. Uh, where you stand with creationism and all those things does not have weight on your salvation. So, listen, is it, is it literal? Is it a, a literal snake? Is it a literal apple? Um, um, I, I don't know. Um, I've got some thoughts on that, but it's not the point, right? The point is not that. Uh, there, there, there are some things that I go by in terms of interpreting the Bible, and here's the bottom line. Regardless of where you're at, where you're at, and your beliefs in that, there's no reason to panic, right? There's no reason to panic. Uh, whether you see it as literal, allegorical, or you're still uh, kind of working your way through that, the big ideas are all unchanged. Number one, God created, and it was good. Number two, the sinfulness of man has broken that goodness, and now it's all messed up. Can we agree on that? Um, so God's good creation has been subjected to pain and suffering because of the evil in this world and the sinfulness of humanity. That's the fall. Okay. So creation 
and fall, the third part of the Bible is the overarching story, which is redemption. Redemption. Our sin did more than knock us off track. It completely separated us from having a relationship with God. He's holy, and we're not. So we can't be with him. Light and darkness cannot hang out together. There's, it's, it's not the nature of, lightness and, of light and dark. Light eliminates the darkness on contact. Our sin separates us from God. Okay? Every person, regardless of where you grew up, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your education, regardless of um, uh, the letters behind your name, regardless of how much money you earn, regardless of how good you are, regardless of what denomination you have attended, all of that does not matter. If Jesus Christ is not in the picture, we're all for loss. We are. So here's the truth. Every person, even if you've never even heard of the Bible, can feel the weight of their sin. Everyone. It's obvious. It's everywhere. The entire world feels the weight of sin. There are evidences of sin throughout our world. And can sense their separation and unworthiness. That's built into who we are. There's this, uh, maybe you grew up in the, in, in, the, in the church and you heard this term, God-sized hole, right? This hole in your heart that only God can fill. That's just our way of saying, look, we all are empty, right? And we all have this tendency to fill those things in our lives and those holes and those spots in our life with other things. But in the end, it's only God. Like there's nothing that we can do apart from him that's going to bring reconciliation in our lives. It's only because of Jesus our sin separates us from God, and so God, who loves his children, had to make a way for redemption. God is just, and he can't leave sin unpunished. So he took the punishment that we deserved. He paid the price in full so that you and I and every person in this world has the opportunity to be redeemed, to be reconciled to God, not because of what they've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who Jesus is. So maybe you're here this morning and you are you're searching for that, that spot to be filled, right? You're searching, you're, you're looking for those other ways. Maybe you're here and you feel like uh, you don't deserve that. Maybe you're here and you feel like it's up to you, right? And so you work to perform, you work to do all of these things because at the end of the day, it's up to you. And let me just tell you, all of those scenarios, it's not. It's up to Jesus and what he has done. And the beautiful thing about this, guys, is we're all at the same spot. We are all born into sin and we're all separated from Jesus if it were not for him. If it were not for him. So creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. The final part of the story is renewal. The verse that I love that ties in with our mission statement is this. Uh, Revelations 21, 1 through 5. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home and is now among his people. 
He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their, from their eyes, and there will be no more sor- death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. The Bible is filled with language of renewal. About as we read in Revelation, heaven coming to earth, creation restored, and the eternal rule of Christ as king. The world is broken, and Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the Bible refers to him, and the ruler of this dark world. But it will not be so. When we are reminded with the realities of all of the stuff in our life, let me just encourage you, if you don't walk away with anything else this morning, walk away with this. There's hope in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. When the realities overwhelm you and you find yourself depressed and discouraged and all those ways that we we tend to just kind of cope with the reality of brokenness, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Because of the story of redemption and renewal. Creation fell, and since that moment, God has been working to restore and renew his creation. And one day, that work will be complete. Now, for, for much of Christian history, um, and, and, and today, uh, the church tends to focus on a couple of areas, and that's fall and redemption. Right, we hear a lot about fall, we hear a lot about Redemption, while unintentionally letting creation and renewal fade into the background. Not something we uh, focus on a whole lot. We don't teach a whole lot about it in general as the church as a whole. So this has been increasingly true the last few hundred years, especially in the Bible Belt. Right? We have a tendency to focus on things. Uh, in spots, the focus of exclusivity on the middle two, fallen redemption, on half of the story. So this is understandable, right? Because the reality is we're born into sin and we need a Savior. And so Jesus came, he reconciled, he provided a way for us to be reconciled to God. And so it's easy to focus on that. But I think we miss out on some very important things when we talk about, number one, creation and how did Jesus, how did God design our, our lives to be? How did he design our, our if, we, if, we, if, we don't, if we don't have a proper understanding of his desires for good in our lives, right? Um, it will kind of skew and we'll get caught up with a lot of other things. If we don't um, um, understand his heart and renewal, right, um, in our lives, we will just have, we will have this tendency to focus on the middle two. Oh, I'm in need of Jesus. I found Jesus. I'm going to hang on until he comes, like I was talking about a few minutes ago. But I think we miss out on some very important things if we do that. And the bare minimum for these to know is fall and redemption, right? We need to hear about fall. We need to hear about redemption. Sin and salvation. We're sinners. Jesus is our redeemer. 
And these things are, of course, true, but the story does not end there. You can't possibly say it enough, but here's the deal. They aren't the whole story. They aren't the whole story. We just went through a series called Start Over, right? Why? Because we believe that God has good plans for your marriage. We believe that God has good plans for your relationships, that you don't just have to hang on except the way things are, that we believe that God desires to break into our lives, right? And we'll talk uh, here in a couple of weeks about the kingdom of God and how central that is in the New Testament and how central that is in our lives. But the reality is we live in the, re- the reminders of sin and brokenness, but yet um, we believe that God desires for us to see renewal in our lives, renewal in relationships, renewal in our marriage, renewal in your finances, renewal in your health. We don't just have to hang on. So we teach that way. We lean that way. We we encourage that way. We pray that way because we believe God makes a difference. God can make a difference in your life. And this is a really big deal. Our story didn't start with sin. It started with us being made in the image of God as the pinnacle of a good creation with peace and communion with God and a mandate from God to bring thriving into the earth. So what we're doing is we're reaching back to how he created things to operate. There's a prayer that we've all heard. God, let your kingdom come. We sang about it this morning. Let your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. What is that? What does that look like when your kingdom comes what, what is your, and your will be done? Well, what is the will of God as it comes to earth, okay, as, as it is in heaven? Well, what, what do relationships look like in heaven? What, is, what does health look like in heaven? Um, so we're praying and we want to lean into that. Say, God, bring your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done in my relationships. Let your will be done in my marriage. Let your will be done in in Old Knox. Let your will be done in in all of Knoxville and the greater region and around the world. God, let your kingdom come in every area of our lives. Even in response to things like this week. God, come and bring your kingdom in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of of, of pain, in the midst of Raw realities. God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. So we have a focus to a tendency to focus on sin. We've said you have sin and here's the cure, which that's Jesus. And we know that we've done that well, but we haven't done nearly as well saying how we got here and what we're supposed to be doing and where this thing is ultimately headed. Right. We don't just have to hang on. Right. There is. My desire in this area, around this church, in these streets, in the community, in businesses, in homes, in families, in schools, downtown, in businesses, that we would see renewal happen. That we would see renewal happen in finances. That we would see renewal happen. That people would would see uh, renewal happen in their business and understand why God has entrusted them with that business and how he wants to use their business to bring renewal in the lives that they touch as well. Uh, I really appreciated a conversation that I had with Chad as soon as we came here. Um, within a few weeks, we went and went to Barley's um, 
for lunch after church one day, and he just talked about his heart to see uh, people with vision and business ideas to flourish, uh, not for necessarily our own uh, flourishing, but yet ultimately that the kingdom of God, we would see the kingdom of God break into our, our cities and our businesses and see people run and be alive with the creativity that God designed them to do and to be. Why? To make it about us? No, to make it about Jesus. To make it about Him. Our heart is to not just come when we come together on Sundays that we're just saying, God, give me the grace to make it through another week. Okay? We're saying, no, God, give me your love to impact people for another week. Give me your grace to pour out and to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus for others this week. Not let me go, down, go in here and worship and then put my hands down and leave and do another week of just hanging on just so I can make it back next Sunday to do the same thing over and over. Let me just tell you, there's, there's a dynamic that happens here on a Sunday morning. But guys, if this is all we're doing, we're missing it. We are. So what does that look like for Knoxville? Okay, what does that look like for Knoxville? I'm going to just take just a couple of minutes and just share my heart. Um, you know, it's easy to see um, people through our lens, right? Through um, which comes from experience and theology and what's been to un- done to us and what we've read and how we've been influenced on all these things, which, right, we all have, right? But one of the things that I've had to realize and, and that I actively pray for is, God, give me your lens. Give me your vision for what's happening in my life, in our world, in our community, and the people around me. And I promise you, God's perspective looks different than your humanity. It really does. Um, so what is God's vision for Knoxville? Because it will look different from what we tend to see. And so we, uh, we had a leaders meeting here in January, and um, it was kind of our first chance to, uh, for me as the pastor uh, coming here and just kind of sharing my heart and uh, what that looks like and, and hearing from others as well, and where we talked about the past and where we come from. And let me just tell you, this, this, this church, this, this particular group of people, we have a cool story. We really do. We have a neat, we have a neat story. And... Um, and it fits into the big C, the big church. And going back to what I said in the very beginning, we want to be about God's mission. And that's going into all the world and making disciples. That's what we're about. Okay? Every church is about that. But yet, it might look different in terms of their style, their DNA, their structure, um, uh, who attends. And so what does that look like for Knoxville? And I certainly don't have all the answers for this. But what I do want us to be about is the mission of God. And so for that, for us, it's going to look, um, on a Sunday morning, it's going to be, we're going to be leaning into Jesus in our worship, in our prayers. Uh, we are, there's, there's a dynamic, even a, a biblical dynamic that happens when we come together. There's things that, that happens uh, biblically when we come together, uh, but it doesn't end there. We also want to be outwardly focused. That's, that's, who, we want, that's who we want to be. My heart is that we be a church of people in action, not in theory alone. That we don't just talk about things in theory. That we don't just talk about what it looks like when Jesus comes or when he breaks in. 
when the kingdom of God arrives in our life and our marriages. My heart is that we will be out communicating and praying that way and leaning into those relationships that way as well. And so just a, a couple of things to be looking for this year uh, very tangibly for us is, um, is at the, as the staff we're starting to talk about, how do we do that? How do we engage with our community? And right now, that involves the people outside these doors, um, right in our community. Um, there was an image, I, don't, I, I thought about doing it this morning and I forgot to, to include it in the slides, but um, I did a three-mile radius of our church um, in January. And, I mean, it really encompasses most of Knoxville, just three-mile radius. It's crazy how much of Knoxville is within three miles. So right outside of our back doors, guys, we have a lot of relationships, um, excuse me, a lot of people to reach. So what are those, some of those things that we want to do? And so once a quarter uh, this year, is it's, uh, we're going to start having a block party uh, for our neighborhood, for the people that are right around this church. So how does that look? Well, right now, kind of the plan is once a quarter following the service, um, we'll have a prep team uh, that's working on things during the service, but after the service, we'll open up the doors, we will um, pump up the music outside, and we will have inflatables, we'll have cornhole, we'll have all those favorite things that you like to do. We will light up the grill, and we will feed our neighborhood. And we will go and we will invite them uh, just for the purpose of knowing their name. Okay? So we want to know the names of the people in our neighborhood. We want to reach people in our neighborhood with the love of Jesus. Not to preach at them, not, to, uh, not, to, not with ulterior motives, but to build relationship with the people in our back door. So that's one way, once a quarter, that we're going to start doing that this year. Um, um, one of the things um, that, and I'm going to ask for your thoughts and input on this as well. Uh, we, want to, we want to be for our city. And so we want to build relationships with our city. And so one of the things that, uh, that I'm looking to do is schedule a, a, um, at least once a year, but perhaps maybe twice a year, a night called Pulse, where we come together as a, as a community and get a pulse on uh, the temperature of Knoxville, what's going on in Knoxville. And so uh, we'll open up our doors to the community. We'll open up our doors to businesses and other organizations, and we'll invite um, key speakers from our city to give us an update on how they're doing with their, their, their business or their organization and the needs and how can we pray as a church, how can we meet tangible needs. So it's an awareness night on um, it's building relationships and bridges with the people in our, in our community. They don't have to be Christians. We're just gonna, it's going to be a night of an awareness. Uh, but what we're going to do with the church is that's going to help influence our involvement in the community. And so um, how do we pray, right? It's going to give us things that we can do and pray for as a church and ways that we can tangibly be involved in our community while, while building bridges. So for example, um, so uh, this week, uh, my wife Destiny and Mindy, um, they fed um, breakfast to the teachers at Christenberry School. And we're starting to do that once a month. And uh, I don't know how many, Ben, did you hear how many came through there? Uh, I think they had like 90, 95 bagels and breakfast and, you know, things for people to eat. Um, and uh, it's my understanding it was a really good response. And so that's something we're going to start doing every month 
is just pouring into, and, and, and listen guys, what happened this week is just further reinforces our need to love on teachers and, and, and schools around us. And so that's one tangible way that we're going to start doing that. And we did that this week. So when Pulse comes, we'll probably have that principal come. And uh, because we have a relationship with them, and just tell us about Christenberry. What are you seeing? What are the needs? What are some tangible things that we can, that we can respond to as a community as a whole? Um, what are you seeing with other schools? Those types of things. We might have someone from the city council or, or, or you know, uh, or nonprofit or CARM or someone like that come in as well and do the same thing so we can engage with them. Um, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be scheduling that as well. Um, then uh, in the fall, one thing that I'm... We're going to do a thing in September called Servolution. And uh, we're going to ha- go through a series on Nehemiah and our heart for the city and rebuilding the wall and that whole story. That's very applicable to loving on our city. We're going to go through that, and then we're going to cancel a Sunday morning. We're going to come. We're going to be wearing T-shirts. We're going to have a big thing out in the parking lot. We're all going to be assigned to projects, and we're going to go loving our city that morning. And we're going to break up in projects, and it's going to be all prearranged. They're all going to know that. Everything's going to be laid out. Um, they're going to be expecting us, all of those things. But literally speaking, on that Sunday morning, we will come together. We'll have some donuts and some muffins. Um, and we'll get a megaphone outside, and we'll have fun. And then we will go. And then the following week, we'll come back and share all the cool stories. And that's going to be fun. So we will do that this year. And so um, all of that to say, guys, we want to be very intentional of how we connect with our neighborhood and our people in, in, in the city. Um, I said on, uh, at our leadership night that my heart, guys, I th- and, I, and I th- it should be all of our hearts, is that we cannot contain the, the amount of people that's, that, that come in on a Sunday morning. The goal is not to be a megachurch. The goal is not to, um, for whatever reason, the goal is to reach people, guys. And as long as there are people that don't know Jesus, uh, we're just going to keep being very intentional with that. And so uh, we want to be very, very intentional. And so um, I would love that by the end of the year, we're in multiple services because we're seeing people come to know Jesus, right? That's really what it's about. And to be very intentional with our discipleship process of people coming into not experiencing, not just knowing Jesus, but experiencing him day in and day out as we are all on the journey leaning into Jesus